0: Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We are your source for market intelligence, forecasts and success strategies. I'm Michael Bull, thank you for being with us today. Or this evening, since this is a podcast video, you may be watching or listening anytime. Now, this segment was brought to you by BuyProxy.com. Check them out! Check them out. They're a new service. It is a national listing service, so it's free to list properties and check them, and look at properties at BuyProxy.com. Well, today, we are, have an interesting show for you. The name of the show is Design, Construction, and Development trends. And I think there's a lot of questions from a lot of people out there. Uh, what What is going, there's so many changes in use and all types of property. And uh, another question I think some of our listeners and viewers have is what about the volume of design projects? Are, are things starting to slow down? We have an expert for us. In Studio One today, welcome Bruce McAvoy. He's design principal with Perkins Will. Uh, Bruce, thanks for being with us again.
1: Thanks, Michael. It's great to be back.
0: Well, we appreciate it. And uh, like I said in the opening, I think the, the first question is, uh, are you seeing any slowdown with projects today? Uh, what, what's ahead?
1: Uh, honestly, we don't see any slowdown at all. I think we haven't been busier in, since pre, uh, pre-collapse you know, 2006, 2007. Uh, endless proposals, and it seems like all the market sectors we're involved in, um, in most of the regions, at least in North America, are hitting. So that's, you know, our institutional and government clients, higher ed, uh, interiors projects, architecture, uh, across the board, really. Um, I don't think Will could be any busier. And yeah. there's a real, there's a real talent uh, shortage out there as well. Just Seeing that um, uh, pipeline ahead of us, uh, people are scrambling for for good talent.
0: Yeah, so you guys are hiring and looking for good people, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's good to hear because I think some people are thinking, well, maybe things are are slowing down a bit, and uh, you guys have to design it before it can get built, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, these aren't small projects, so yeah. the timeline on these things are at least a couple of years. Yeah. So um, I th- I feel pretty good about the future, and we usually see um, if there is sort of indications of a slowdown, we'll see. Uh, market shift. Perhaps some of our institutional clients will try and take advantage of hitting a downturn, and um, they're already going. So yeah. I don't think anybody's waiting, and uh, we're not seeing anything on the horizon. Well,
0: that's good. I think you're a much more forward indicator than I am. To my uh, gas dock attendant at the, at the <laughs> lake, I'll pull in there, and he says, uh, "Michael, you're filling up." and one day I asked him, I said, why don't you always <laughs> ask me if I'm filling up? He said, when you get half a tank, I'm selling everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So, um, another challenge that all of our clients are seeing, it seems to be really impacting uh, new supply and, and just operations in general are rising construction costs. So, you know, what are your trends you're seeing there? How's it impacting uh, your clients?
1: Well, it's, um, it's, it's kind of a parallel track to exactly where we are in our offices. Uh, the GCs that we work with and collaborate on a regular basis, they're seeing it in the submarket. So those guys couldn't be any busier either. So, mm-hmm. And I think with a, a shortage, again, of probably people in the field, we're seeing some really crazy pricing come back. It's, it's made our job really tough to forecast, uh, especially on these uh, jobs with a longer runway, yeah. what that's really going to look like by the time um, we're ready to get into the dirt.
0: Yeah, but of course, when a client asks you, "Hey, how much my or cost increase over the two years?" You can't say, "Oh, he have, we have no idea." So <laughs> you're throwing something out there. What's yeah, the range you guys yeah. are giving?
1: I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, uh-huh. I, I, we don't even do it anymore because I'm seeing actually some products we used to, um, you know, have a strata of okay, we can we can use so much money or count on say precast or something on the job or or structure, or, you know, concrete steel versus one another. And depending on the market, the sub-market in that area or region in the States, um, we're seeing stuff flip back and forth from month to month. So right. there's no real, uh, there's not a lot of predictability right now. I think it's yeah. just, um, you're, you're at the whim of when your project hits and what are the projects in proximity to that uh, to that job. Yeah.
0: So you're here, probably then the developers are kind of picking their own number. And what are they picking? 5% a year or something, you think? Or increase? I, I'd
1: say more. I'd probably more? say seven. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's... You know, there's, there's no telling because, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we just keep seeing these things kind of go back and forth. And what it, what it does, it makes our job a little tougher that we're trying to be flexible and dynamic as we mm-hmm. go through this project yeah. or go through all of our projects and figure out if there's a way, you know, as, as things start to solidify, the banks are involved, mm-hmm. you know, you start to get into the, the, the subsurface construction um, we're still making decisions, yeah. um, which, which makes our job harder. And
0: uh, yeah, so something might start off very cool and awesome, and then it c- comes down to <laughs> the cost, and you're like, "Oh."
1: We we try and maintain, you know, design intent. We try yeah. and deliver the same project, but. Yeah. Um, you know, recently we've had a debate uh, on projects about what that final skin palette's going to be. You know, is it mm-hmm. is it precast? Is it is it metal panel? Mm-hmm. And we've gone back and forth a couple of times, you know, in the last few months of,
0: of the process. Yeah. So. so that's kind of something that's ongoing as well, people changing the actual products they're using. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, let's talk about... Sustainability uh, and wellness, because you know it's always been a, in a hot topic. Is sustainability, mm-hmm. but now it seems like we, with our clients that we help with office space in Atlanta, uh, it's all about wellness. What are you guys seeing in, in your world?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's um, I think you know we went through um, a period of talking about sustainability really as building performance. Mm-hmm. Um, Perkins and Will was one of the you know the the leaders in that when it started and. We, co- we committed to that, but it's really starting to envelop a lot more than just, uh, you know, your footprint as far as the building when it comes to utilities, energy, and water. We're seeing wellness be a huge topic because, I mean, when you look at any organization, their biggest, biggest expense is their people. So uh, having them more engaged, more healthy, uh, you know, at, at work um, is something that, you know, adds to their bottom line, like, you know, better than any utility bill, that's for sure. Absolutely. And along with wellness, we're starting to see a whole host of other issues come into play, um, like resilience and biophilia. Um, Tell all us the about things. resilience. Resilience is really um, trying to create a project that's a little bit more uh, shock absorbent. Mm-hmm. Um, we're living in some pretty crazy times with weather and you know climate change, and just natural stressors. You know we're seeing uh, we're seeing uh, flooding, we're seeing droughts, we're seeing all sorts of stuff. So. Um, Resilience is really kind of knowing what those stressors are going to be in the future, mm-hmm. planning for them, and then trying to design it into the project. Um, that might have to do with um, also some regenerative strategies. Mm-hmm. We're looking more and more with clients about you know, what their solar footprint is. Can they generate power on site? Uh, mm-hmm. Most of our projects now, uh, we're embracing the idea of uh, on-site water. So capturing rainwater, um, keeping it in a cistern, and even uh, even treating it on site. Yeah. Um, we just did that for um, an example. We just did that here in Atlanta for uh, Interface. They they mm-hmm. did an adaptive reuse on a small project, did their own water, and it was um, it was kind of funny. About month, maybe two weeks after they were in the building, Atlanta had a, a big water main break and an issue with water, and it was a boil. But they were fine because um, they treat all their water on site and yeah. capture it from rainwater.
0: That's so. a cool building. My yeah. uh, daughter is uh, working with them with Interface right now. Oh, great! Uh, and uh, she's. Uh, hopefully, we'll go full time, but she's graduated yeah. from UGA uh, and she studied LEED and sustainability, yeah. uh, wellness certification. She's an environmental economics major. Uh, so that's, that's a great company. Hopefully, there.
1: that'll be her new home. Yeah,
0: yeah hopefully. Um, and you mentioned biophilia, right? Yes. What is that?
1: So, biophilia is um, a really interesting kind of development when we talk about engagement and, and making humans perform better. Um, and really what it is, it's tapping into the primal um, primal components of who you are. We were all, you know, on the Savannah Plain at some point, and, you know, we were, we were kind of becoming the sophisticated apes we are today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what uh, biophilia really does is it starts to recognize this relationship with nature, these patterns of nature, and we try and build those into the space. Um, when we do that, we're noticing that people heal better they're more engaged, they perform better, they have greater cognitive ability. So there's just a whole host of benefits to doing this. And I think it was something that was done intuitively in good design uh, mm-hmm. earlier. But now that we're getting uh, a little bit more kind of like our buildings and wellness, you know, really digging into this, uh, there's, some, there's some great uh, research going on that's showing us the real benefits of and this. And what are
0: some of the features that you might find in a building that you designed with biophilia in mind?
1: Well, I think, again, the, the proximity to nature, whether that's a physical proximity, also a visual proximity to nature. Uh, other things that we used to do of trying to tune a building, say, to a perfect temperature across a floor plate that was absolute, you know, within one degree, mm-hmm. we're seeing now this idea of reflecting nature, right? So there might be a cool side to the building and a hot side of the building. Not a huge swing, but just enough so that when people move around, they can, uh, they can actually feel the difference. Um, the, the patterns in sort of an organized chaos that you see in nature mm-hmm. is something that we're starting to use, um, you know, Fibonacci series, things like that, and patterning, um, where, again, there's something there that just identifies with, with us as humans and, and how we're pre-programmed.
0: Not just a square box. It's always the same temperature.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, water is another great example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you, when you think about uh, dialing back the clock uh, from a, to, you know, our evolutionary standpoint, we're kind of predisposed and pre-programmed to hear water as a survival instinct. So, we're we're finding out that in noisy environments or a lot of our urban projects, uh, the presence of the sound of water kind of starts to mask that noise, that nuisance noise that might be in the background. And it's a great sort of um, you know again wellness strategy that people then are more engaged. They're more present and they're better at what they do. I know, love whatever that. Whatever that business might be.
0: I love that. So, not only are they hearing the water, yeah. um, which gives a nice ambient sound, right? So, yeah. you're not hearing all the noise around you, uh, but also just seeing it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. See, and then the, the crazy part is not hearing the other noise. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it's one of those things. Again, I think it's just, it's primal, it's within us, and, and if we can tap into that, the great part about that is that's generational consistency so this I don't think you know this isn't a trend or something uh, mm-hmm. this is just better design kind of like uh, we talked about sustainability when that was a you know a new thing we were talking about about better, better performance out of our buildings or or right. wellness strategies just yep. better design
0: right what about um, outdoor spaces are you, you seeing more of that that that's an important um, component to me to be able to maybe get outside especially in an environment if you live in a area of the country where you have available more time outside like we were talking earlier I guess in in Atlanta where we are today you could be working outside what four or five months absolutely you're you seen that more in design absolutely
1: um, clients more and more want it mm-hmm. I think um, we're seeing at least in the corporate uh, market sector a lot of our you know tenants or a lot of our uh, um, partners you know it's kind of a lifestyle now that yeah. type of work so um, when you talk about wellness strategies and sort of the idea of how much time we're spending indoors at the office, having these moments of refresh are actually building into a project programmable, workable space for teams. Um, a lot of roof decks. Um, we're seeing you know patios, terraces, things like that. But again, not just for a place to go out and take a break. Um, actually have a meeting. Um, we have a client right now who um, uh, loves to talk about his walking meetings. Mm-hmm. So uh, he has a campus and um, he loves to grab his team and they go for a 10-minute walk at the beginning of the week and, and uh, basically prep for that week and uh, you know the site is becoming as much of a business tool as the building we design.
0: Yeah and that's great and you, and you see these Campus corporate campuses where you have outdoor areas where you can walk out of the building and do that. But yeah. in more of these uh, urban markets, you're having to really create that in the building, right? Or yeah, on top yeah. of the building. Yeah. So you've done that, what, in Nashville and Atlanta? And yeah, the, uh,
1: the project I mentioned a second ago, uh, mm-hmm. Interface had mm-hmm. a, uh, some adaptive reuse, had an old uh rooftop that we renovated Mm -hmm. and um, put a generous roof deck on and Mm -hmm. they use it all the time now yeah Um, in nashville it was a a true urban site uh Mm -hmm. similar to interface but there we took a notch out of the building uh, up in the tower and gave people a wonderful point of prospect to kind of uh, see the vista of downtown nashville Mm -hmm. again um you know the ability to incorporate some plants and some natural features on those decks and Mm -hmm. um, i think it really identifies with people and gives them another option another work choice while they're uh they're moving through their day.
0: That's awesome. So what's in the future of all this? Any, are we going to be like the Jetsons? Are we going to have treadmills hanging on the side of <laughs> the building? So what's the future hold?
1: I, you know, I don't know. I think um, I think it's really interesting. Um, you know, we've kind of moved through other trends like third workplace, and you've seen a lot of corporate buildings Um, kind of flip the model of what used to be pass-through lobbies Mm -hmm. to the coffee shop sort of hangout lobby um, to, again, offer tenants another place to go or their talent another place to go. Mm -hmm. Um, I think technology is playing a huge part in this, but what's what's interesting is the, the counterpoint to that. These the notion of biophilia and that we are kind of you know you know we're best when we're together physically. Um, you see that in other things like uh, you know the trend with WeWork and a lot of these office share uh, places. So um, I think I think that offices are going to become uh, closer to hospitality than they are to the last generation's uh, office.
0: Yeah, that's so, good. Are you going to see any completely self, I guess there's, what, one or two in the country, any self-sufficient buildings that, that can really create all their own utilities?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, living buildings are, are very interesting, mm-hmm. um, a very interesting thing right now. And the technologies there, it's a question, I think, usually of investment and scale. Yeah. Um, and also in urban environments, like we looked at that for interface and we were completely our solar footprint we were completely shadowed out it's nestled between two towers in the heart of uh, midtown atlanta and there was a lot of proximity of tall buildings so um but i think it's something that's on the horizon and we're trying it um on several projects yeah um been successful on a few but um it's not easy to do but the technology's there and And it keeps improving every year.
0: Yeah, and then technology is getting less expensive, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah,
0: well, that's awesome. Well, Bruce, great information as usual, sir. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And stay with us. We'll have more on design, construction, and development trends right after this short break. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's commercial real estate show is brought to you by Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions visit bullrealty.com commercial agent success strategies incredible training for commercial agents visit commercial Agent success.com bomi international for facilities and property management education visit bomi.org buyproxy.com your global commercial real estate listing service Visit byproxy.com. Red IQ, turning multifamily data into actionable intelligence. Visit rediq.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. This segment is brought to you by Red IQ, they turn multifamily data. Into actionable intelligence. Do check them out at rediq.com. Well, today we're talking about design, construction, and development trends. Please welcome my next guest. It's Patrick Fox, and Patrick is CEO of Consensus Strategies, and he's joining us on Skype. Patrick, thanks for being with us again, sir. Good to see you, Michael.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Always interested to talk to you, and, then, and you guys help people with zoning matters and uh, construction development issues and all around the, the country. So my first question to you is, what a, a volume right now. People, a lot of people are thinking we're toward the end of a, a cycle. It sure seems busy in the southeastern markets where we work. What are you seeing on your end?
2: We're seeing a lot of activity. Uh, uh, you know, I only get called for the tough ones, right? So uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, mixed-use developers calling us uh, who have only recently become mixed-use developers. Uh, you know, these are people who, uh, uh, are used to doing retail and it's difficult to do that now. So they've turned to mixed use and they're finding it's a different game, uh, that when you add in residential, it's, uh, uh, much more difficult dealing with municipal impacts and, uh, the, the other things that come along with it to try to get those things approved. They're not used to doing the kind of community outreach you need to do, uh, to, uh, to make that happen. So right. we're seeing a right. lot of that.
0: And the volume of calls, the volume of requests you get, uh, the volume you see in the municipalities for rezoning. What's the trend on the volume there? Are you seeing it uh, slide down a little, or is it still just really busy? No, it's
2: it's still busy. Um, it's uh, uh, even when you see, even if you sense a downward trend in the market, the trend on opposition to development is upward. Um, <laughs> You know, With the Internet today, everyone has a voice. Everyone feels they can fight City Hall and, uh, um, and, and fight progress, and uh, they are.
0: Yeah, and for the folks who are out there that may be buying land, own land, or in development or helping those who do, and you're getting involved in a rezoning matter, um, what do you do about the Internet uh, forces out there, the social media forces? Do you need to kind of plan for that up front uh, to handle it?
2: You do. The earlier you start, the better. And uh, all of these tools that abutters uh, uh, and neighborhood groups and opposition groups are using, you can use as well. And you can usually use them more effectively. Um, the The key is starting early. Uh, if you start to do community outreach and address these issues when there's already bumper stickers on the cars and signs in the streets, it's a much tougher fight than if you start early, uh, reach out, find support, build a coalition and then announce the project and have those people standing with you when you do that. Um, You can save yourself a lot of problems. The idea that we're going to do this quietly uh, or that uh, the mayor and uh, members of the city council are all telling me they love the project and I'm okay. It doesn't work out when 200 angry neighbors show up at the first hearing. Now you've got a controversial project. Now you've got a bad story in the paper. People that might have been Indifferent or somewhat supportive now don't want anything to do with the project. So uh, it's it, you, you can't hide in a bunker anymore. You need to be proactive. Yeah,
0: and what should folks think about that are doing their first mixed-use development and they're dealing with zoning? Is it the municipalities, the cities, the the zoning officials that that don't really get it yet? And sorry if you're you're, you're in that field and I'm. I know I'm saying something that doesn't sound right for you, but it is kind of new to some municipalities, right? Uh, or is it the is it the end users who are leasing from the developers, or is it the developers themselves that just have to understand how it all mixes together and works?
2: Typically, the the municipality gets it. In most places, they know they need housing. They, there is a housing shortage, and most places have addressed that as a need, but. Um, When a developer comes in and suggests adding 240 new homes or 500 or 1,000 new homes, it's a major change in that community, and it scares people. How many kids are you going to put in the schools? How many more fire trucks are we going to need? How many more police officers? How much more traffic are you putting on the street? And if you don't address those concerns, uh, there's going to be huge opposition to your project. So in my experience, it is the developer's. Who, uh, who need to understand how to address this, how to get in early, and how to help provide the political cover for those officials who already know they need to do this? Yeah, it, yeah. it's a real struggle in a lot of communities. They're, right. they're they're begging for help. I've got municipalities that are asking developers to hire us to help them uh, provide political cover so that they can do what they need to do anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, that's great. And like you said in the beginning here, you get called in when when what's a tough one, uh, tough jobs. And I guess uh, the cannabis craze,
2: uh, I guess some of that is tough? Very tough. Um, You have uh, um, many companies and an awful lot of money fighting for market share in states like Massachusetts and and others as it's becoming legal. There's a a scramble to get in and get a foothold. Um, You have... Massive neighborhood opposition in communities that voted to support it You've got communities where you've got 60 70 percent of the population Voted in favor of legalization, but that doesn't mean they want it near their house they're afraid of uh, of, of lines that it's going to bring people in from out of town that are um, uh, near do wells um, that, uh, that They're gonna have people sleeping in the streets like it's a Grateful Dead concert <laughs> everywhere and um, and uh, it's important to um, to address those issues ahead of time. Well, in some sure. states, as they start to legalize, the the first one they do is a, a massive hit. You know, uh, in Massachusetts, when they did the first ones, you had people coming from three states, and and there were uh, it was gridlock and, and uh, people waiting hours to get in, mm-hmm. and it paralyzed the town. Wow. And as wow. someone pointed out, it's like you have one liquor store. In a three-state area, you know, everybody's coming in. Right. But once you open, you know, the city of Boston's going to have 52 of them. So they become neighborhood stores. Uh, but it's, uh, it's a, a heck of an education campaign to get people to understand that when you, sit when you talk about putting one in their community. Yeah.
0: Well, if you put one in my community, I'm going to be afraid that uh, they're going to run out of Cheetos in the market. I'll want, never be able to find Cheetos again, right? So <laughs> So, is yeah. the opposition to the stores and to the the places to grow uh, the, the cannabis? Is it just the stores
2: you're dealing with mainly? No, um, we have had to deal with cultivation facilities in opposition to those as well. Even when they're put into industrial parks or they're, they're out of the way, Um, We've had opposition come up in towns uh, where they just moved to ban all cannabis facilities of any sort and don't even realize they've had for two years a cannabis cultivation facility in their community. Uh, And we had to explain it to them. Do you realize that there's 50 jobs already here, that there's a, a facility that's been operating for two years, that you're closing in your community if you pass this law? And they didn't even know it was there.
0: Well, sometimes are you going to have to take that to court then? If the use is legal in the in the zoning, uh, and the state and the city has approved it uh, to make it legal, uh, and now they're going to say for zoning reasons you can't have it, you're going to have to kind of fight that battle in a hard
2: way. Yeah, uh, communities can change the zoning to preclude it,
0: even um, though they
2: legalized it. Even though they legalized it. Yeah, and and you know, and also you know, like an adult bookstore. Uh, you know that that was fought long ago, uh, where you couldn't simply ban them. Uh, you have to 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 find a way to zone for them. So they're often in you know uh, uh, zoned in areas where you wouldn't want to put one.
0: Well, you know, this is a commercial real estate show, so there's a lot of people listening that that own and, and help people that own uh, commercial real estate, and one of the things they always do to 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 create value is high some best use for properties, and zoning's a big deal. And one of those things that we're here in multi, in a lot of areas and markets, in fact, we've heard it around Atlanta, where I'm headquartered as well, is casinos. Are you getting involved there? What do you see there?
2: Casino fights are among the most difficult fights we've been involved in. There is so much money involved. They are so competitive. Um, they are bringing in PR consultants, lawyers, lobbyists, and they're all fighting each other over these sites. Uh, typically, when a state legalizes it, they, they uh, allow for a certain number of licenses. And the goal is not just to win that license. It's to make sure that no one else wins a license. Um, so uh, it's uh, highly competitive. Um it's, that's also a situation where you have people who vote in favor of legalizing gaming but then are opposed to having one uh, in their community. Uh, we're also seeing it's some of the more depressed communities that really, really need a, an economic development boost are the ones that come together and, uh, and, and support them. So uh, that, that tends to be where they're going. When you, when you look at doing one in uh, Atlanta, Manhattan… Um, uh, major municipal uh, uh, areas, they uh, they become very very difficult.
0: Yeah, well, I can imagine it should. Seems like it would be a boost uh, to the economy and to jobs uh, in a in a market or a city, you know, like Atlanta. Well, another thing that we're seeing um, more of is self storage uh, facilities. Uh, what are some of the trends you see there, zoning wise?
2: Working in a lot of self storage. What's happening with self storage is the market has matured. Up to now, the trend was to put them in industrial parks on the outskirts of town, um, to put them in more depressed areas, and uh, they filled those up. Now they want to actually move self-storage to where the people are, and the people who are used to self-storage facilities that are giant, concrete, prison-like buildings uh, that are colored in uh, those iconic orange or green buildings that – um, certainly stand out for marketing purposes, but no one would ever want to live near one. That's what everyone thinks of as self storage. So when you talk about putting one in a suburban community, there's an outrage. Uh, just uh, uh, pitchforks and torches come out after self storage. Um, and, you know, I'll use one. I'm not against self storage as a use. I just don't want it in my community. Put it over there. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: not- so uh,
2: there's a trend to make them fit into the community, to use it, to, to uh, design them in a way that blends in or to put retail on the first floor so that it enhances the community. It's a low impact use. There's not a lot of traffic, uh, doesn't generate uh, a, a lot of trips uh, and uh, generates, uh, tends to generate more uh, tax revenue than office or a lot of other uses. And
0: doesn't impact
2: so, the schools either. Doesn't impact schools at all. Very few municipal impacts. But they require a, a big municipal education effort. You really have to wow them with the design. You know, we know what you think of as self-storage, but this is a new kind of self-storage that we've designed just to, to fit into this community.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's good. And uh, we're talking with Patrick Fox, he's CEO of Consensus Strategies, and he's done a lot of large uh, zoning projects around the country. And Patrick, we talked before, and I know you've heard some funny things at some of these zoning meetings, and I'd like you to share a couple of those things that you've heard at some of these zoning meetings. Sure,
2: uh, you know, like uh, uh, people standing up uh, in opposition to wind farms. Uh, who, uh, we had a, a, a woman stand up and say, if you're gonna build 100 wind turbines pointing in one direction, you're gonna have to build 100 somewhere else on the planet pointing in the other direction, or you're gonna mess up the rotation of the earth. <laughs> or the, the people who said, how many of these solar arrays do you think you can build before you've sucked all the energy out of the sun? <laughs> um, you know, yeah. you can't build a steakhouse restaurant near my neighborhood because you're gonna drive the dogs crazy. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> you, but we work with developers and yeah. how do you handle these? They're gonna yeah. come up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, you can't be dismissive, you can't roll your eyes. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you, oftentimes these are people that are known to the board the year before They've been there before on other projects. They've asked similar um, uh, crazy questions. And, you know, uh, I, I can't uh, you know, help them get a graduate degree in physics to explain to them why they're, you know, uh, they're, they're misunderstanding some of these basic laws of nature work. Um, so uh, you need to be respectful and you need to just move on and understand that, uh, you know, those those crazy comments aren't going to really impact the board. Well <laughs> It will impact you if you are dismissive or rude, or uh, or or outright laugh at them. Right, like I just did. And you have the patience of Job, sir.
0: I I appreciate what you do. And you know when we when we were, we saw a good bit of land around the southeast U.S. and when it needs rezoning, we want to know hey who, who are the talent who's the who are the people involved that are going to do this zoning because it, that really matters. Because if if I was there and someone said something like I had somebody come up, I was putting one. Ha- putting a second house on five acres, and the neighbor popped up and said that my yet unborn child will get killed, die by, in a car wreck, if you build that one house on that five acres. And this child's not born yet. Lady's not pregnant. And I'm like, I didn't know how to react to it. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? And so, so where do you get that patience, and how do you build a team around you that can, can handle that?
2: we can't even count the number of times I've heard at a hearing, how many children have to die before you people stop building these. And that's, you know, for a variety of uses. Um, And, uh, um, or, you know, the people who come in and say, you know, uh, uh, my child was, was killed in a a car crash. uh, It's indicative of there being too much traffic and you're going, you're building something that's going to generate more. And when are you going to stop? When is enough enough? Yeah, Uh, And it's, very difficult to 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 deal with that issue um you know you you try to talk them through how you're going to do it responsibly and you look at what you can do to try to to uh um uh, mitigate the negative impacts yeah
0: well you know it it it, it, it's not in my backyard the nimbyism right i remember i had an attorney friend of mine and said he was going to fight zoning on a vacant block across the street from him they're going to build some very nice condominiums and uh, now, th- before they built them, there were vagrants and crime going on. So I said, "So you've got crime going on over there; it's ugly. They're going to build something beautiful, and you're fighting it. And why?"
2: <laughs> He's like, "Oh, I don't know, really, because I- it's change." Well, because it, it's change. I have had people oppose the redevelopment of a junkyard, and you know, we were shocked. I mean, are you happy that you live next to a junkyard? The trucks are going by. It's right adjacent to a residential area, and we're going to put $10 million into this site and put in a, a, a retail facility uh, that was going to look like a college campus. And they said, we don't want the traffic. We can live with what we have now. We realize it's ugly and it smells. Uh, but, uh, you know, we don't want any change. Yeah. So, um, you, you, it, it's, uh, it's not rational. Yeah. And it's part of the problem with our, our process in the United States that it's largely opposition driven. Yeah. It's about who yeah. shows up. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you can't generate support, demonstrate support for your project, the opponents will be in the room. They're gonna organize, they'll make their voices heard. Right, right, good it point. Showing, uh, uh, for instance, in, in the grocery industry, mm-hmm. that 70% of Americans say, I'd support a new grocery store in my community. And my clients in the grocery industry laugh at that. That's not what we see at hearings. Right. It's because yeah. no one shows up on a Tuesday night to say, I'd, I'd love a new grocery store but you show up to say, I don't want one near me.
0: Right. Until it opens and then you're really glad it's there. (laughs) Well, Patrick, thanks for joining us, sir. Great information.
2: Thank you. Great talking to you.
0: All right. And thank you for being with us for the uh, basically show about land and development and and design. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Let us know your comments. Please share the show and uh, please reach out to us. Uh, We love hearing from you until next week. Be sure that you always lead, learn and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's commercial real estate show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial agent success strategies, incredible training for commercial agents. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Bomi International, for facilities and property management education, visit bomi.org. Buyproxy.com, your global commercial real estate listing service. Visit byproxy.com. Red IQ, turning multifamily data into actionable intelligence.
2: Visit rediq.com.